So welcome to Stories of the Journey Home. This is Leo Sofa, and today I'm in conversation with Annika Hoffman. Annika is a storyteller and a teacher. She's a mother and also a breath therapist. We've known each other for several years, and Annika talked to me about creating one of these audio packages together where we go into something deeply that's of, of mutual interest and has real depth to it as a preparation for an intuitive story. So in this audio, we'll be talking a little bit about the theme that we've chosen, and then I'll be telling an intuitive story on that theme inspired by that conversation. And then we'll come back together and discuss how the story reflected the theme and in what ways it's deepened our understanding of it. So when I talked to Annika about what themes she'd like to explore, she immediately said the word balance, which I found very intriguing because that's a really big theme. That's a really important theme. And it's something that I've often wondered about and, and kind of is part of my my life and how I'm trying to live. But um, let's start with you, Annika. How What does balance mean to you? And why is that such an important theme? I've always been so fascinated by these tightrope walkers mm. who walk on the tightrope. And I've been wondering why they do it, why they walk the rope high up in the air. It doesn't make any sense at all. And it makes such a deep sense huh. at the same time. Right. <laughs> and in one day in my life, I started to walk the rope myself. It's like not as high as in the circus, but a slack line. I yeah. started to walk the slack line and try to find balance. And one thing I found out is it's all the time like a game, like playing with it, like losing it and gaining it again all the time. It's like you cannot hold it forever. It's wow. not that I can hold balance and be in balance and keep there happy. Right. And right. It's like I, I get it and I lose it again and I get it again. <laughs> and it makes me so clear in my head at the huh. same time. I feel so much in the moment. I feel so awake on the line. Wow. And I love it so much. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Wow. That's really amazing. <laughs> and and it's yeah, it's also these um in asanas in yoga that I mm -hmm. really like to to be on one leg right. and yeah. have have the other one high up in the air or yeah. somewhere in the air. Yeah. And it makes me so much coming home at the same time. Hmm. Going hmm. out finding balance is at the same time coming back to myself and mm. being really centered and being mm. really connected. Wow, that's amazing. I'm really, really impressed with that. That's just so, like, what an extraordinary, I never thought that that would be one of the features of walking a slackline or doing that kind of tightrope walking. Of course, I've read the accounts and I've seen that extraordinary movie of the guy who walks across the Twin Towers. And my, yeah. my wife is crazy about uh, about this guy. And, and he's walked, um, he's done all kinds of extraordinary things. And he describes the same thing um, when he's like 
really there when he's really in the line he's uh, you know walking the line he's completely still he's completely okay yes. there's even this extraordinary scene yes. from that movie where he actually lies down in the middle he, he lies on the line itself and it's like everything is completely in balance everything's completely okay um, he almost feels he could have stayed there forever and that would become dangerous and he was losing it and starting to space out and he gets up and, and continues. But I think his friends were getting very concerned about him at that point. There's almost something seductive about that that, that sort of high, <laughs> literally in both ways, high of, of being so incredibly balanced and so focused. So um, so I, 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 I love your description of for you... The walking the line was was a meditation and a discovery. I love also that thing of you lose it, you find it, you lose it, you find it. You can't keep it. That's, I think, really profound. Yeah. Absolutely. I just um, I found it, I, the experience is for me so, so deep that's, that's true because I'm not so easy in meditating and keeping still. Right. And sitting really quietly, <laughs> this makes me more nervous actually. Right. Sure. But when I when I when I move, yeah. I'm getting really still, which is crazy maybe. But it's so um, I'm so happy to to have found this mm. possibility to get really uh, calm <laughs> mm. Mm. in the movement. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. That's there's something really powerful there, which is. I'm not quite sure if I can put my finger on it, but it's almost like that's daily life. That's like life, isn't it? You're, you, you walking the slack line is, is a kind of exaggerated version of what daily life is like. And we're all, trying to, we're all trying to keep our balance, you know? <laughs> we're all trying to keep our balance, but that involves so many different things. And one of the things that really messes with that is the idea that there's a fixed state that we've got to get to. So your discovery on the line, I think, is that's why I'm finding that so profound, that the, the mind creates this idea that I've got to achieve certain things. If I'm once I'm there, I'm going to be OK. But life isn't like that, like organic, natural life. Physical life isn't like that, like your slack line is constantly reminding you, no, you're a body, you're a body, you're not a set of ideals. You're a body and you've got to res respect the fact that you're a physical body. So get out of your head and just be here. I, th I just find that as yes. astonishing. So, I mean, in my own experience of life, that's, mm -hmm. that, that's how it tends to go for me. I'm most in balance, you could say, when I'm not in my head and when I'm not living according to ideals. Um, so there's an invitation from life that is about being right here, but also right here in not just in a mental way, but in a not just in a spiritual way either, but in a physical way, too. And that's that's what I love about your slack. Line yeah. learning. It reminds me of what you said in our interview that when you try to make up the story with your mind, you're going to mess it up. Yeah. Like you, ha you have to absolutely be with the movement. Yeah. And this is the only way to, to master it, because otherwise, if I want to make it, I'm just falling down all the time. Mm. And it is so easy to, to feel. Yeah. And also, um, 
when I'm trying really hard, I'm getting worse. And when I'm stopping to try hard and leave it for a few days, and then I'm getting really good. Like it's sometimes somehow happening by itself if I stop making it. Amazing. So the interview you're referring to was when we were we were reversing our roles and you were inter interviewing me about intuitive storytelling. And that is that is absolutely the case with intuitive storytelling. If if I try and control the process, then it screws it all up. So it's it's the same thing. It's really the same thing. It's it's it, you know what comes to me now. There's a there's a degree of humility involved in this, or a degree of I'm not in charge, but I'm going to give full attention to this, which is definitely how it is with story intuitive storytelling. Is I need to fully shut off the desire to control and fully respect what's happening. And I'm guessing that's exactly what happens with walking the slack line. You have to just shut off well, your your desire to get anywhere or make it work or whatever and just be fully present with it. <laughs> and also, it's the same line, it's the same thing. And if there is something underneath, which I'm scary to fall upon, hmm. I cannot do it at all. Or I heard from, from other slackliners, if you have a river underneath, you get totally confused because it is moving all the time and you're moving yourself and you really need to be so focused. Which is funny because actually it's the same thing, but it's it's right. only in the mind. It's, right. it's not possible. Like mm. I, it's so strong in that moment, I could fall. Hmm. Get stronger than the belief. Yes, I can walk. I can do it. I'm able to do it. Hmm. And this is like fighting in the mind. Amazing. I have a, a question then. What what have you learnt about balance in a larger sense? What do you understand, not just from the slackline experience, but in general, how does this theme play out for you in the rest of your life? Like I really need to remember and to remind myself to get into the moment, to have this bridges moment. My daughter comes into my bed in the morning and she lets herself totally fall into my embrace and in the same time feel the warmth, the love, the beauty of the moment and not being in what I have to do today, what is my to-do list for yeah. this day. Like this moment is so precious. It's what I, what I do spend, this is why I want to earn money to be, um, to have this moments like, mm to recognize them when they are there. Mm. Like, wow, this is what I really want of life and this is what I want more. Or sitting mm -hmm. in the sun in the morning and feeling the sun upon my face, like feeling these moments deeply and recognize them and not right. going past them and yeah. being stressed and unhappy and right. running out of time all the time. Mm. So like a balance between being and doing yes mm. yeah 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 i love that i mean there's there's so much required of you especially if you have a small child there's so much required of you to do and it can get really out of balance if that's the only thing that you're that you're focusing on is what next needs to be get needs to get done next mm. 
so much love those moments and I so much yeah in the end of the day when I remember what what happened this day what made me happy it's these moments like mm. watching the dog playing wildly or yeah mm. having these moments with the children where we are totally connected yeah yeah when I was pondering this theme um, in advance of talking to you about it it occurred to me that there's there's such wisdom also in balancing every aspect of ourselves all aspects of what it means to be human and certainly I've spent a great deal of my life prioritizing certain aspects over others so my spirituality is more important than the, the rest of me or it's more important to you know to, to give energy to that but n neglect other aspects of life and I, I think I become a happier person when I acknowledge all of it that it all matters all mm -hmm. aspects of of life matter um, especially physical I think our culture has become quite ungrounded and it seems to be we're going more and more in that direction as as our civilization develops that we lose touch with nature we lose touch with our bodies we lose touch with physicality and again your slackline experience is such a beautiful illustration of that it's like you can't do this theoretically you have to do this physically <laughs> And, and that's very much how I see my life evolving, is that any time I'm conceptualizing, abstracting in my mind, I'm out of balance, actually. And what's required is to come, as you say, really present and really honor every aspect of life, be in a place of really honoring it all, all parts of it. And that includes really simple stuff like how you eat. <laughs> um, you know, and, and how you exercise and how you look after yourself and all of those are, are crucial. And you mentioned work, life and doing and being and, and, and all of that. It seems to be crucial. But <laughs> the temptation for certainly for someone like me would be to try and create a plan out of all of that, you know, to have a there's a methodology of how I'm going to be perfectly balanced. And that is like you stepping onto your slack line and going, Okay, I've worked out how to do this. <laughs> and the slack line is like life saying, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. Pay attention. Pay attention. Drop out of your concepts and be here. So, Yes, absolutely. This is so true. And it, it makes me f feel shivering when, when you were saying it. It's so true. It's just, this is how life is. Mm. And it's beautiful. <laughs> Okay, I feel like we're um, we're ready for a story. I uh, I will take everything that we've said just now, and I'll bring it into an intuitive storytelling session. And it won't be that I'm seeking to repeat any of what's come here, or or kind of rehash it or thread it into a story. As I said earlier, it'll really be a question of arriving full with what we've discussed. And with the, with the deep engagement in the theme that we've, we've created. But at that point, simply dropping everything else, dropping every other attachment to where the story goes. And we'll just, we'll see what story comes. I'll then retell it. And then we'll be listening next to the retelling 
of the story that I told. So then we'll come back and discuss it together. So that's what's coming up next. And uh, I'll speak to you afterwards, Annika. Thank you for the first conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so curious what's going to happen. Wonderful. Great. Once upon a time, there was a boy, and he was a keen tightrope walker. Every day, out in his garden, he'd be walking his tightrope, seeking always to achieve perfect balance. But that wasn't always easy. He kept on falling off, you see, and the more he fell off, why, the more cross with himself he became. The more cross with himself he became, why, the more he decided to raise the rope up so that when he walked and when he fell, why, now the falls would hurt even more. And he hoped by this means to somehow discipline himself, to instil in himself such a determination to find balance that wouldn't, he wouldn't ever fall off again. And so with each fall, he'd raise the rope. And as he raised the rope, why, each fall would hurt even more. Until he started to lose patience, you see, because his strategy wasn't working. He thought, I'm not making the rope high enough. I'm not making the falls hard enough. Until he puts the rope so high that even he starts to tremble. Even he starts to feel afraid at what might happen when he falls off it and goes plummeting towards the ground. But he does it anyway. He does it anyway, and as he clambers up the tree, as he clambers up the tree, why, he starts trembling and shaking. And as he steps out onto the rope, why, it's not necessarily helpful what he's done, you see, because he's so scared, he's trembling so bad, that his balance is worse than ever. But the strange thing is, as he steps out onto the rope, As his body goes into a wobble, as his feet slip from the rope, as it seems quite clear that he's about to fall to the ground, to all kinds of broken bones and cuts. Why, out of thin air, there suddenly appears an angel who catches him, catches him and carries him up away from the tree and from the garden and away, away up into the sky until they come so, so very high that they're far away from all busyness. They're there flying at the very edges of the world and she, the angel, where she cradles him so soft that all the previous places where he was bruised all the ple previous places where he'd hurt himself in his ambition. Why, she just cradled those places especially kindly, especially gently. And she flew so high that the boy, he started running out of air. He started falling into a sleep. 
a kind of strange dreaming sleep, and then coming back out of it again with a spluttering and a coughing, and then falling back in again as the angel flew with him at the very edges between heaven and earth, flew with him there. And as she flew with him, why? She told him a story. And that's the story I'm going to tell you now. Because once upon a time, there was a farmer, and she was struggling with her farm. She was struggling with her farm, and she had been struggling with it for years. She'd been struggling with it for years because her, her harvest was getting worse and worse year by year. She didn't understand why. It just was. Things were coming out of the ground that previously would be coming out very nicely. Now they're coming out all stunted. Things would be coming out the ground that previously would be all abundant and all lovely. And now, why, it's just a few little things there. Whatever it is that she wants from that plant, why, she's not getting nearly the half of it. And she starts to feel very disconcerted about this and she starts trying to change things and alter things and make things better. So she starts changing the seeds, but that doesn't make any difference. She starts changing the soil, the composition of it, the watering of it, and that makes no difference either. And it's just in the midst of this rather desperate searching for something that's going to actually fix things up that she one night, one dark, and cold night with the rain and the wind howling outside while she hears a knocking at the door. And when she goes to the door and she answers it, what does she find outside? But a man, an old man, dressed in black. And he has a thin and a rasping voice and he has a face white as a sheet and he says could you give me a room for the night I'm tired and I'm cold and I'm hungry and I'm old and I'm not getting very far in this night and I need shelter could you help me she looks at this old man who looks all to all the world like he's right up close against death itself and she doesn't have the heart to send him out into the night again, even though she doesn't know him. And although it's not really her usual sort of thing, she says, all right, all right, all right, come in, come in, I'll give you a bed. You look tired, you look frozen. He says that he is, but the way his voice rattles, why, it's quite disturbing to her. And so she gives him something to eat, just a plate of food, and she gives him a bed and she goes to bed too. But that night, she has the strangest dream. And in her dream, why? Her house is flooding from the basement up. But it's not water, no. It's all the things she's had pulled from the ground on her farm. All her past harvests, all the vegetables, all the grains, all the fruits, everything 
much as ever harvested from the land. Soon you can't be on the first floor at all. Soon she's running up the stairs and all those harvested things, why, they're flooding up after her. Soon she's on the topmost floors and now clambering out the window just to be safe. Soon she's up on the roof, looking down and seeing everything she ever pulled from the ground. Spilling out of the windows and onto the floor. She wakes up from this dream in quite a sweat, she does. Wakes up from this dream in quite a sweat and she's all a bundle of nerves. She goes downstairs and starts fixing herself some breakfast and when the old man comes into the kitchen, why, she almost jumps out of her skin. She'd forgotten about him, you see. He says, oh, I'm sorry, did I disturb you? She says, oh, no, it's, it's OK, it's me, it's me. I'm such a bundle of nerves. I had such a terrible dream last night. He sits down at the table. He says, tell me about your dream. Well, then she sits down herself and she tells him the very strange dream all about the harvest all flooding up from the cellar and sending her up to the roof and then flooding out of the house and landing on the ground outside. She tells him the whole thing and he sits and he listens and it sounds rather strange. You could see the mystified look on his face, the way he feels about this dream. At the end of it, he says... This seems like the kind of dream that someone would have who's rich, but you are poor. Neither of them could make any sense of it. Well, I, I better be going, says the old man. And he's just turning to go, and she looks out the window and see that, sees that the weather is as bad today as it was last night. She says, no, no, I can't send you out in this. And, and anyway, it was, it was nice to have someone to talk to about my strange dream. Why, do, why don't you just stay around? You can stay here for another day and, and maybe tomorrow, if the weather's better, you can go then. Well, he doesn't mind that. And all day, he looks after the fire. And he finds some odd jobs to do around the house, but not very much because he's very old, you see. Mostly he just stays by the fire, keeping it going. And all day she's out in the fields working. And when she comes home, why, they sit together and they have a nice supper and they talk for hours. But although it's nice to have some company and to have the conversation together, why, there's something about the way his voice rattles, rattles like a chain, rattles like the graveyard. There's something about the way his voice rattles. It's like all the rattling in the world was in his voice. And it fills her with a strange feeling of disquiet the longer they talk together. So eventually, when it's time to go to bed, where she bids him farewell and she goes to bed herself, and that's when she has another, another even more strange and disturbing dream. And in her dream, her house is once again filling up. But this time it's filling up with characters. Little girls and bigger girls and young women and older women 
and after a time when she realises why they're so familiar, these characters. For they are herself in all different stages of her life. And each one of them is acting out a different dream. A different dream that she had, that she never achieved. And the more characters they are, why the more full that house becomes. Until there's no more space, no more space, and the farmer she's running up the stairs, chased by the characters acting out their dreams. Until she's clambering onto the roof, happy to get away from all that mayhem. Happy to be away from all that mayhem. Well, she wakes up in the morning even more disturbed than before. And she goes downstairs to the kitchen, but she's ready for the old man when he comes in this time. And she says, oh, I'm so glad you're up. I had the strangest dream last night. And he immediately pulls up a chair and he sits at the table and she tells him the whole thing, all about those characters, all representing herself from all different times of her life, acting out all the dreams she ever had but never fulfilled. And he sits and it's, it's a bafflement spreading over his face as he listens to the whole thing. And at the end he says, well... This sounds like a, a dream that someone would have who's always lost in fantasy, but you seem like a grounded sort. Neither of them can make any sense of it. But when the old man says he ought to be going because the weather's looking a bit better, she says, oh, no, no, it's all right. He does, she doesn't mind if he stays a bit longer because it's ever so reassuring to be able to talk to someone. And, and anyway, he can keep the fire going and just find a few little things to do around the house. Well, he didn't mind that. He didn't mind that at all. And so all that day, why, she went out to the fields and he stayed indoors, keeping the fire going. And when she came back from her working in the evening, she found a few little odd jobs that had been done, but not much, because he was so old, he really just stayed by the fire most of the day. Well, they talked a long time, and it was very nice. But there was something about the way his voice rattled. There was something about the way when he spoke. After a while of listening to him, you felt as if everything was coming to an end. Just everything. It was all coming to an end, and there was just nothing left. Just a wasteland where before there'd been life, now there was nothing, nothing. She feels quite scared when she goes to bed that night. She feels quite scared for what she might be dreaming, given how she's feeling. But that night, why, she has the strangest dream of all. Yes, in her dream, why, it's most strange. A great big river is running past her house. A great big river running past her house. And in this river, why, there's all the vegetables from her first dream. All the harvest, everything she ever pulled out, it's just been washed past her house and away to goodness knows where. 
But not just this. Once all the harvest has been taken away like that. Why then it's all the characters from her second dream. All the characters washed away down the river to who knows where. Past her house and away. And when all of these things have been washed away, washed away down river to who knows where, why, then her farm, it bursts into life. It bursts into life and every corner of the farm is abundant. Even pieces of land that she'd given up on long ago, why, even they fill with life. Everywhere you look, there is teeming life and a harvest, the like of which she'd never seen even in her best times. And she wakes from this dream. She's pretty much singing. I must find the old man, she thinks. And she goes downstairs and she makes breakfast, but he doesn't show up. And so she makes breakfast a bit louder, hoping that she'll wake him up and that he'll come in and talk together with her. But when even this doesn't rouse the old man, why, she goes to his room and she knocks rather gingerly on the door. She goes inside and she finds the old man. He's just lying in his bed. And she goes to him and he looks white as the sheets that he's lying in. And she says, oh, my goodness, are you all right? And he said, I had the most difficult night. Somebody wanted me to wash away everything that has come before. And it was very, very hard, but I managed to do it. And then they wanted me to wash away everything that has been hoped for tomorrow. And that was even harder, but I still managed to do it. But do you know what was left? When I'd rubbed away all these things, do you know what was left? No, said the farmer. What was left? All that was left, said the old man, was now. And with that, he just faded away. Faded away like smoke and the sheets, they just gently fell to the bed like he'd never been there. A strange glow filled the room. And as she followed it out into the house, where the whole house seemed to be shining. And as she followed it out into the farm, why? It were as if she were being led. She were being led. And what she did was she went around the farm and she started pulling up everything from the ground. She started pulling up everything from the ground from the smallest to the largest that was growing on that farm, all that she'd planted that she'd hoped for a harvest from, all of it. Even the stuff that was half grown, even the stuff that hadn't yet borne fruit, all of it, why, she took it all away. And then she started to plant. She planted new seeds, seeds she'd never thought to plant before. All over that farm she planted, even in the places she thought would never give anything. 
All over the farm, new life, new life sprouted. Such that if ever you were to visit that farm in years to come, why, you'd declare it the most abundant place you'd ever see. And the farmer, why, she was abundant too. She was a harvest of that place herself. Angel, she came to the end of her story. She came to the end of her story, cradling the boy in the softest of wings. And when she flew with him back down to his garden, and she asked him if he could recall the story she'd just told, as he'd been wakened and sleeping and wakened and sleeping, why the boy wasn't sure, so she told it to him again. And when she was quite sure that he'd understood it and absorbed it, why, she then told him to set up his line just a few inches from the ground. But then it won't matter if I fall off, said the boy. Just try it, she said, and remember the story I just told you. And so he did. So he did, he just set it up a few inches off the ground, and you know, the strangest thing was this, that as he put his foot upon it and started to walk, why, he wobbled neither to the left nor to the right. As he remembered the story why his thoughts were not in the past nor in the future, rather he was right here and now. And every blade of grass began to shine, every beam of light began to sparkle. And he did not fall to the left or to the right, but he remained perfectly right here, in the middle, in balance. So welcome back everyone. I'm back in conversation with Annika Hoffman and we are, we've both listened to the story and we're just sharing our reflections about that. So Annika, how was the story for you? I love it. It is so moving and I felt like you walking through my own dream walking through the land of my soul it was amazing to me thank you so much for this beautiful story i love it it sounded like we haven't spoken about it since you listened to it although you sent me an email that was kind of along the same lines and it sounded like it had become um that there were some elements in the story that had been quite personal to you and I was curious. Absolutely. I was curious if you wanted to share that. It certainly wasn't the intention, but it, it can happen <laughs> quite easily. So, well, it what... was like, how do you know? Because right. I always do just the same thing. I put the slack line higher and higher up oh. for for no reason, actually, 
instead of it being more spectacular in a way wow. or and we have the children playing around in the garden and they could so easily do it with me if i would put it further down yeah. but like i want to be <laughs> i don't know make it my own thing or make mm. it spectacular as i said and just the day before you send the story, I thought maybe I should put it further down. <laughs> mm. Like why, why do I always put it higher? And this was so moving and so touching for me to, to understand it's not about being famous or being mm. the best, mm. just being connected with the whole thing. Mm. This, this reminded me so much when I listened to your story. It was so beautiful to to remember it's about being connected to life too. That's amazing. So, Nature, the children, the moment. Right. Yeah. So, so you raise the line. You actually already do that. You were you yes. were already in the process of raising it, and and you do that in this for the same reason that the boy. I don't knowing knowing you as as I do, I'd be surprised if you were doing it for the same reason as the boy, which was a kind of self-punishment. He was trying to discipline himself and make sure that he would suffer for his mistakes so that he'd be, you know, he'd be more focused and it just, it wasn't working for him. I'm sure that's not your reason. You're not trying to kind of punish yourself, are you? No, I just <laughs> try to, um, yeah, but it, but it is in a way to make it more difficult, to right. make it more... Uh, to, to get more tension into the thing, to get yeah. more, um, yeah, yeah, to be more awake or something. So you and are doing it for a similar kind of reason, right? Yes, it's kind of like, yes. okay, I'm going to really raise this, literally raise the stakes, you know, raise the bar. The consequences of, I mean, when you fall off, does it really hurt when it's high, higher up like that? No, I don't put it so high that okay. it hurts, but it's more difficult to, to climb up, of course. Yes. <laughs> it's more difficult to jump down easily. And, yeah. Uh, so there's something there about kind of increasing the challenge of it that, that's mm. exciting for you. Right. Mm. Yeah. And are you saying that somehow the story was a little bit of a rebuke to that? It's like a, a saying, hey, that's not necessary. Is, is that where how it landed for you mm, yes it was so warm-hearting and so like comforting stopping to get more even better and better this is a theme in my life actually to always want to be the best the fastest the most beautiful and it mm. was like that's not the point wow <laughs> and it was so beautiful to be reminded and also this figure in the story this old man it was like I know him. <laughs> like, where did you, where did you, where did he come into? How did you come into your story? I, I know him. Uh -huh. Tell it me was, more about him then. What, what does he mean to you? He feels like a friend in a way, and uh, but also you, the way you told him, like his story, his voice sounded like graveyard. This was so made me shiver in that moment, but still feeling connected to him and knowing that he has something important to do and something important to say and this this same feeling like being a bit anxious and being but being feeling connected to him feeling related this was making the story so good to me also so like mm. it made it so tense and so wanting me to know how it how it would go on 
Hmm. How do you know him? I mean, it, that's really intriguing to me. Is he is he like someone who shows up in your dreams, or is he almost like a figure of a, like a quality of your psyche, the part of you that is the opposite of all the things that you perhaps strive for? Help me understand that. How's he so well, familiar? I, I would say like he's a he's a friend of mine who, who, mm. who died several years ago. This feels familiar, and also a figure out of a dream, like a good like a mentor or something, like someone I could call and he would give me an answer. He feels like a, being a good soul, like mm. that I that I know. Wow. He'll he will tell me what to do. He will tell me the truth. Sure. Sure, the unvarnished truth, the truth you don't necessarily want to hear. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, that's really fascinating that it had that had these resonances for you. Um, was there any other part of the story that felt sort of resonant for you or had particular meaning? Because I'm. It sounds this is kind of surprising to me. Every stage that we've said so far. So is there is there any more of that? <laughs> It felt familiar to, to to fall into the story also, like he was trembling so much he had to fall. But this was not the moment when he died, but when the story came. And this was also very beautiful to me, to let completely go, right. to let go completely, and but to receive everything. Yeah. 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 And if, if, as you say, as you said earlier, if it's a big pattern to push to try and achieve, then the moment when we stop that is a very significant moment. Mm. Mm. This was so strong to me because I always keep going, going, going better, better, better. And to stop immediately and then realizing it's all there. Mm. It's all there always. Mm. Oh, this was so mm. yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, we we really don't necessarily have that in our culture, or at least not in our modern culture. It's not something we're told. Um, we're generally told you've got to keep that. The, you know, that progress is the answer. Progress is the answer to what we want. And if you want more of 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 life, you've got to you've got to be progressive and and head towards something that's better and bigger. I mean, our whole technological society affirms that. Our whole consumer society affirms that. Have more, have more things, more stuff. And it can lead, I think, to a kind of collective sense that that's what we should be doing. We should all be pushing towards uh, improvement, but also, uh, you know, a kind of enlargement of ourselves. And that's not just, I'm not saying that's completely wrong. It's just that the story has a has an opposite message, yes. which is which is not a new message. It's quite an old message that mystics and religion, religious people have, have been saying for years and years, which is that it's actually behind the progress. It's behind the the project of ourselves where uh, a shocking abundance is to be found. Uh, something utterly unexpected that's completely abundant but it's 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 not to be found in the in this project of improvement and progress and enlargement that we're so often engaged with so 
I that I looked at that character in the the man in the story. I saw him as death. I don't. Did that ever occur to you? I mean, he reminded me of a friend who's dead. Right. But, and he had this energy. Yeah, this is true. But I, uh, I didn't feel afraid really. But no. Thrilled. Yes. Alert. alert. Yes. Yeah. Right. I I was really intrigued by him in some way because he um. He looked very much like death, but it was quite clear as I was telling the story that he wasn't to be described as death because that would be too direct, but rather that he had the qualities of death. But he himself, as he appears in the story, he's kind of innocent. He's like this old man who he doesn't really know what's going on. <laughs> he just turns up at this house. This woman keeps on having these intense dreams she wants to tell him about. He's okay with that. But then, in the end, he's kind of like, "Oh, I had this awful dream. Somebody wanted me to, to wash away all their past." And and he has this kind of quality of, he he's both death, but he's also kind of like an innocent who's been possessed by the spirit of death, like an old man who was just walking the landscape and just found himself outside this woman's door and then got involved in this whole drama. So there was something about him that really intrigued me. I didn't really know what he was exactly, quite what he was. Um, but but went along with that anyway. I think it's so beautiful that she has to look it all up once or twice, three times before she can be free. Right. Because this is one thing that touched me deeply as well. Like I, I push it away, and it keeps coming up, reminding me it wants to be looked up, right. and then you will be free. And I think. I am free. Go away. Like <laughs> this is this is so strong about the story as well that it comes up again and it doesn't go away just by wanting it to go away, but by embracing it, by letting mm. it be, letting it go. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, they say that about life that it keeps on repeating the lessons that we refuse to learn. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. Oh. oh well, I'm I'm thrilled and um, surprised at 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 all the meanings that it meant for you. That wasn't kind of I didn't see any of that, and and I guess I had my own interpretation of the story, which was it it, it wasn't entirely different from yours. But I I'm really touched by how much of an impact it had on you, or how personal in many ways it's it felt to you. So that's just. That's really delightful, and I guess it's part of how this how this intuitive storytelling can work is that we created a field together, and uh, I didn't know your half of it and didn't know you well enough to be able to guess the things that you said, but it was the story definitely came into something that was mutual, that was an exploration that we were both making, wherein at the beginning, really, I was listening to you and hearing your story. Um, with the slack line and, and these beautiful lessons of balance. And and just to kind of bring that theme back in as one last piece, I was really wondering after telling the story, well, what's that got to do with balance? Like, wh what is that? Of course, we have the boy at the beginning. He's like a frame story. And of course, that's to do with his, his exploration of balance. But what's that middle story got to do with balance? And it, it did strike me that it's talking about a completely different kind of balance. It's not really, um, it's not even, it's not, of course, not the balance of walking on a slack line. And it's not even the balance that we often hear talked about in our world of, 
it's important to balance all the things that are important to us you know keep a balance between your work and your your home life and your 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 interests and your personal life it, it was a different kind of balance altogether <laughs> and and this character of the old man it's almost like he 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 is a reminder to the woman of like I was saying, the opposite of what she's investing in. She's pushing all the time, or she's dreaming all the time, like so many of us. And yet he's he's reminding her there's this opposite movement, which is to let go <laughs> of the dreams that can actually keep us half alive and, you know, half dead at the same time. We're living in our minds and our dreams and not actually paying attention to what's in front of us. So to let go of that and also to let go of the the farm that we're all tending we're all tending a farm we're all tending a life and trying to make it work and sometimes that goes great and sometimes in a sense we're blessed by those moments where it doesn't go great because it's those moments that there's this opening to something else to the what i was referring to earlier is what the mystics have always talked about the shocking abundance that's actually there when we stop trying to do stuff and make stuff happen and um so so there's a balance there. There's like a balance there that's being suggested in the story. The balance between pushing and relaxing. The balance between um, dreaming and being right here. And, and I'm, it's maybe not a balance. It's perhaps a counter argument or a counter suggestion for living. <laughs> and, and who knows, maybe she finds her balance at the end with her farm blooming. She finds her balance by being right here which is exactly what you were finding with your slack line and the, the 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 incredible investigation that you were making into that is like the real place of balance the place when you're most able to walk a slack line and perhaps the story suggesting most able to live like live a good life is actually when you're minutely present to the present moment you're paying minute attention to everything that's happening and having the kind of openness of your mind not to bring your own concepts into it not to bring your dreams to it and distort what actually is wanting to come to you so that was that was how i i saw it threading into the interview that we'd have i don't know if any of that makes any sense i see it you nodding completely, but, yeah. completely it makes mm. sense completely and also this essence of the story like the balance is meant to be there through this finding this stopping of pushing forwards all the time but more embracing the moment and this was for me it made complete sense absolutely mm. <laughs> absolutely it was just blooming up in its simplicity it's pure love great Oh, well, Annika, it's been amazing to create this story with you. I've really, really enjoyed. Uh, I've Thank loved, you so much. Yeah, I've loved, the, I've loved the passion with which you uh, throw yourself into life and investigate life. And, and it, was, it was very touching to hear the ways in which the story met you, spoke to you uh, and had something to say uh, to you and I hope also to those listening. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Leo. I love your way of telling. I need to say that. <laughs> Great. Mm, okay. You. 
Thanks so much for joining us and thank you everyone for listening. This has been Leo Sofa at Stories of the Journey Home.